does this look like a table you can just set stuff on? No. Um, we're talking about three things today. Uh, steep, seeds, and clogs. Um, last week, I requested any feedback on your things you've learned and observed in the Sermon on the Mount, and I appreciated um, those emails back. And so today, I want to bring in some of your stories um, and celebrate them, and hopefully prod us forward with Jesus' teaching. So, steep. Steep. Um, there's a process where you um, take tea leaves and you put water in at a certain temperature according to the tea leaves, and you get out of the tea leaves some good things. Now, you cannot, I mean, you can chew on the tea leaves just directly, but you don't actually get out all the stuff. When you steep, you put it in the hot water, and the water helps release all the stuff inside, right? Look at that. Steeping already happening. Steeping. Now, another beautiful thing about steeping and um, tea is that Tea isn't something you drink once, and then for the rest of your life, you're good. I mean, some people, that's true. But mostly, if you want the nutrients, the benefits, you have to do it every day. And it's this daily practice. So Jesus said, hear my words and put them into practice, which I would like to present to you today as being similar to steeping. So we bring the words of Jesus into ourselves by hearing the words, by hearing stories about Jesus' words, comes into us, gets in. We also read the words, it comes in through our eyes. We see God's good creation and the glory of God in the heavens. We see these things and it comes into us and it gets in. And then Jesus' words do the job of steeping into our thoughts, into the meditations of our heart, into the actions and words we do, and the steeping gets all through us and becomes a part of us. So I imagine you are all familiar with Gandhi. Did you know that Gandhi read the Sermon on the Mount every day? What? It's pretty interesting. He read every day Sermon on the Mount, and... Of course, Gandhi was Hindu, and so he had a much more eclectic and broad appreciation religiously. So he saw Jesus as a wise religious teacher. And so he read Jesus in that way as wisdom to live by, to put in you, to steep, and then bring it into practice in what you do. Now, he said, Gandhi said that he was a Sermon on the Mount Christian, didn't want to do anything with the rest of the scriptures, but the Sermon on the Mount, obviously, he loved and let it steep in him. And so much so that Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount steeped in him and then produced his philosophy, world famous now, of non-resistance, non-violence, right? So he did that, and it came out of Jesus' words. I bring Gandhi to you because it's fascinating, right? Here's somebody taking Jesus' words seriously. And what happened, amazingly, was empire change in South Africa, in India, and perhaps around the world. 
empire change. And so the question to us as we look at Gandhi, who's appreciating Jesus' words so much, how much more should we steep in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? How much more motivation do we have? Because we're not just coming to it as wisdom only. We are coming to it as wisdom and relationship with the wisdom giver. So when I comes to steeping, um, we have been steeping on Jesus' words here the last few months, right? We've been listening to sermons on Sunday. We've been reading the book by Sky Giathani. We have been in small group discussions. You've probably, in your personal conversations, been talking about this with people. And you've been steeping in Jesus' words. And I think it's, it's working. It's getting into us, and it's influencing us. So now I want to share some stories of things people have responded in this steeping work. Uh, first person actually in their email used the word steeping, which was kind of nice, fit. And they were using somewhat of a quote from Dallas Willard, which this is very interesting. Think about what Dallas Willard's idea is. He said that there may be more value in steeping ourselves in the richness of a handful of passages, learning them well, and living them out than there is in reading the Bible from cover to cover without understanding it. I thought that was interesting, Dallas Willard. Like, there's this thing of steeping that maybe there's times when we need to get deeper into one thing to let it get into us and then let it grow out to the rest of the scriptures from there. Steeping. You know, someone else commented in a steeping kind of way that the insights that he received in the last few months was that the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus, who knows what the kingdom of heaven is like, telling us about it. So here's Jesus. He knows what it's like, and he's telling us about it. And he's not saying, oh, this is heaven someday, but this is heaven here now, today. And so Jesus is just talking about something he knows. And in conversation with somebody else related to that, it's not only that Jesus knows this truth, but it's also Jesus' method in how he delivers it. I mean, I don't know how you deliver truth, but it seems like there's this very nice cultural tradition of using a club to instill truth into others. You know, if if, some, if you have truth and know something, you want to explain it to them. You want to help them understand it. You want to convince them to change from that, to come over to the truth. Perhaps you're familiar with that clubbing action. But instead, Jesus knows what heaven is like, knows that it can be lived now, and his method, his method is to just describe the heavens, to show, to tell stories about. He doesn't club anybody. Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven and then let those words steep into thoughts, into ideas, into the people. So key takeaway from steeping, look at how dark this is getting, see? I don't know how dark you let it sit for, but... Key takeaway, put Jesus' words in you. You know, you've been doing it for the last two months. Keep doing that. Keep putting Jesus' words in you. And then 
Maybe relax and let Jesus do the work. Don't fight it. All right, so steeping and then seeds. Me and the kids picked up these acorn seeds from Wash Park this past week. Uh, it's kind of a fight because the squirrels are getting them all. So we, we picked up, and I love the variety of oak trees in Wash Park. There are so many different oak trees with different acorns, and it's amazing. And I today want to present to you the idea that Jesus' words are like seeds. They are like seeds. You know, seeds are God's powerful multiplication packages, right? Like a seed has this thing and this energy that it can become something. Jesus said about wheat, you know, if a piece of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it grows and produces like a hundred more seeds. And in a much slower way, an oak tree, that seed goes into the ground and it grows slowly over time to become a huge tree. And then every year produces thousands of new acorn seeds. So in this way, Jesus' words, his, his wisdom, his truth are like seeds that we put in us. And then when they start growing, they start producing some new fruit. It's amazing. I mean, think again about Gandhi, the power of Jesus' words, the power of Jesus' wisdom, the potency of it all. Gandhi simply read the Sermon on the Mount, put it in himself, and it produced a life of non-violence, non-resistance, and it changed the world. How much more for us? to not only take the wisdom and put it in ourselves and let it steep and produce the potency that that already is, but how much more the power of God's wisdom together with God himself in our life, together. I've been learning some great stories from you all about seeds that have been planted in the last few weeks and how they've been growing and happening. Um, One of you... Um, told me this very terrible, hard story. Because these are not easy things, right? We aren't dealing with, like, happy unicorn and rainbow things. We're talking about real life. And this is a real-life story of somebody who's got a neighbor who's more like an enemy and has made life hard and terrible and just yuck. And the seeds have been planted in this person these last few weeks who's like, oh, Jesus, you said love this enemy. Okay, how do I will their best? Oh, how do I not judge them? Oh, how do I start thinking about them and their situation to appreciate them as a human being made in the image of God, doing his best, and wanting them to find God in this world, right? So this is seeds planted. And now these seeds, they do not grow and produce like resolution, like the person just moves away and done. I mean, you can pray for that, but the resolution is more the inward journey of the work, of letting God take hold of your heart. For you to come before God and say, God, I am poor in spirit. I receive everything from you, and now I can give back that to even this ugly person who's being mean to me. So, one example of seeds planted and growing, and we'll see for many years ahead, perhaps, or many months, we don't know, how that story plays out. 
Another example of some seeds that are planted is somebody in my men's group um, sharing about, you know, the past year has been kind of a mess, and mostly because of his will and the things that he has made happen, and now trying to turn things around. And so the seeds of Jesus' words being planted in his life and producing new and different fruit. So he said, and I love this, very simple, I am focusing on three things. First, every day, if I can do these things, if I can share with God and talk to God about everything that's on my mind, everything happening, I can just talk to God, keep that communication going. Second, to listen to God. So when, in, you know, in, throughout the day, in circumstances, situations, be listening to God, okay, God, what do you have in this for me? What I'm listening. And then third, to serve others, to have this this heart that is open, no matter what they are doing or what they are like, to treat other people with good and serve them and try to help them. That, I think, is a great example of seeds being planted, and we will see how those seeds grow and produce fruit. You know, someone else said, um, Susan and I have been arguing about who said this in our group, but um, they said, do I believe that Jesus was serious? I don't know. Ask my wife. And it was profound because we can tell ourselves all kinds of stories in our head about how good we are or how bad we are. But the reality, the truth, is observed by others, what you are doing with Jesus' words. So his wife could say, uh, yeah, you are, or no, you are not. Um, it, this is a, it's a complicated situation, but I come to you at your workplace, which now you're never going to invite me to your workplace, so I'm hesitant to say this, but I come and I say to your coworkers, hey, this is a person from my church, and how is their light shining? Do you see the love and kindness of God in them? Tell me about it. What would your coworkers say? That is the test, actually, of are you taking Jesus' words seriously? Because it's in your actions, not just in the thoughts that you carry around in your head. <sighs> well, key to the seeds. Key takeaway, God's little multiplication packages, his wisdom, his truth, put in us will grow. We trust that God will do that magical thing he does with seeds becoming plants and trees, that he will do the same thing with those truths, those wisdom pieces, his words in our life. So Jesus' words are taking root and growing. Hooray. And then finally, clogs. Now, I know some of you are thinking clogs, like those wooden shoes people wear, not clogs like that. Some of you might even be thinking about the ridiculous use of garbage disposals, which don't get me started. Garbage disposals, clogging drains, bad. But I'm not talking about drains either. I'm talking about supply line clogs. Like this root taken from my yard, growing around the sprinkler system pipe, the supply line, right? Clogging, like look at it, crushed it. This root, clog, supply line, right? So I present to you this idea, once again, that Jesus, his 
words getting into us can run into some clogs. And so those clogs are the blockages that we all carry around that prevent the flow of God's goodness, his life, his love, the movement of it. Prevents us from putting into practice Jesus' words. Another theme that I noticed in the emails was that there's things in our past that are affecting our present. You know, perhaps it's the things we learned and now we're stuck there or it's the hurts that have happened. But there's things that have happened in the past and now we are having a hard time moving forward. Um, It's fascinating um, to think about how this works because perhaps when you came to faith, perhaps as a child and you were a kid, that's the level of understanding that you had. And so now you're carrying that childlike understanding with you into adulthood. Or maybe it's just simply that you came to know Christ as an adult and it was simple and straightforward, but then life got more complicated, but you're still over here with this simple, straightforward understanding. How do you move forward to embrace more and to face the complexity of this world, to take in from God something new and different and let go, perhaps, of a smaller version that is a seed that could grow But hopefully you get the idea. You know, maybe this will help illustrate, but perhaps when you grew up or you came to church and first time Jesus, people at church all taught you that you come to the well of living water. And when you come to the well of living water every day, you use your hands and you scoop up some water and you drink it right there at the well. And that's how you drink and are satisfied by Jesus, right? That's what you know. But then... You're at the well one day, and somebody comes with a bucket, audacious, dips it in, takes the water, and goes home with it to drink at home. And you're like, no, that is wrong. I disapprove. Right? This is what I know, and I'm having a hard time letting it go, taking on a new way or a new reason. Clogs. There may be also... I don't know if you've been around spiritually elitist people, um, but there's people also create clogs of God's love and his flow by saying things like, oh, yeah, you do that with your hands. That's cute. Um, I actually haven't gone to the well in years because I just go to the store online and order it right to my house. I don't need to do that. And they look down on you, and now you feel bad about yourself, but then you're not sure if this actually is the water from the living well or if it's just tap water, right? Like these are the clogs that we get stuck with and now how do we move forward? What do we do? Another person shared their challenge reading the scriptures of the Sermon on the Mount, not about the things they learned, but more about the hurts, the wounds, and working through the wounding of the past that is now a clog holding them back from taking Jesus' words seriously. And this is where we've all been wrestling with, Jesus, these things are impossible. Forgiveness, love your enemy, ridiculous, impossible. And we're all facing that. What do we do to let those clogs 
move away and to move forward with God, even with those things of the past. Sometimes the past is like controlling us rather than open to God in the new ways that he has for us today. You know, one of our wonderful people working down with the kids um, in kids club um, wrote me, and I thought it was brilliant. They said, you know, kids have a hard time with this. Jesus said, love your enemy. And kids are like, why? Why? What's in it for me? I love how she said, kids are asking, okay, well, what reward or what benefit do I get for doing this? This is hard. Why? Why? And she said, like, why do I have to be the one always doing the right thing when everybody else is taking the shortcut the easy way? And I imagine we are all asking those kinds of questions in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, what is the deal? Why is this so hard? Guide us forward. You know, one last one, someone mentioned uh, the challenge of the clogs due to changing of seasons. You know, you're going along in your season of life and you're established, it's going well. Perhaps you have a really big oak tree that's just producing nicely every year. And now the season of life changes, you don't have that oak tree anymore. You've got to plant something new. And this is a new way you have to lean into God to trust in a different way, in an expanded way, not relying on what you knew in the past, but going forward with something new. And it's hard. But God invites us into this life that is like the tea, it's every day. It's not just heaven someday, but it's here and now, and we're living it out. So what do we do with the clogs? Again, I suggest that we steep by staying in God's scriptures, putting God's word into us and letting God's word get in and steep and start making the changes within us. And then also, when we have clogs, what are some new seeds that we can plant, that we can look for, find? God says, seek, knock, ask. I will give it to you. Take God as a word and say, okay, what are some new seeds that I need? And is this a seed that is like wheat that I'm going to have to keep planting year after year? Is this a seed that I'm going to plant once and just wait slowly and patiently? You know, what's my involvement with the seeds? Do I have to talk to them? How is it going to go? So planting some new seeds and inviting God direction in that. And last, I think the biggest thing I've seen in this past few months is about the clogs being worked out in groups with people. Now, Jesus, again, did not club anybody and say, you got to understand this. Instead, he invited them to, to hear the story, to imagine, to take it in. And so in groups, there's this powerful thing that happens where you're hearing somebody say ridiculous stuff And your tendency is to reject it and then go tell all your friends how ridiculous that was. But what's happening actually in that is you're hearing them, and it is stirring something in you. It's stirring up in you, hopefully, some soil for God to work, right? We need other people speaking into our lives. Just by hearing them and processing together, it's happening. It's growing. It's becoming. And then finally, what do we do with the clogs? We pray. 
And so, again, I'm going to end this week with the body prayer of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave us in, or Matthew gave us in Matthew chapter 7, or 5 or 6, somewhere in there, 6. Ah, Jesus gave us his model prayer, and we're going to do the motions with it. So, our Father, and I'm going to invite you to stand in a moment. Our Father in heaven, we put our hands up, hallowed be thy name. And we pause. And then we put our arms wide, and we say, Thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we bring that into our life. We open up to it. And if there's something closed down in a clog, that could be the place where you say, God, I feel clogged. Help me open up. Get this flow going. And then we say, give us today our daily bread. Just what I need today. Help me not worry about the future. Help me not dwell on the past. Help me be here today with you. And then, ooh, the hard one, where you got to put your arms crossed like this and say, forgive me my debts as I forgive those who've debted against me. How does that go? Transgressions, debts, you know, all those words. You know that. It'll be on the screen. <laughs> and then finally, arms down, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. And we do that. We say right here, right now, just like my friend in my men's group who said, God, I want to share with you, I want to listen to you, and I want to serve others. Let, let that be happening. All right, will you do this with me? If you will, stand. Please don't knock anybody. Okay, we begin with our arms in the air. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Arms wide, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And hands together, give us today our daily bread. And arms crossing your chest and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Hmm. And then arms down low, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then there is that nice ending, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.